Welcome to The Journey Expressed. This is where we talk about faith, friendship, and the more of God. I'm Jen Houston, and with me is my friend and co-host, Mel Boyd. Oh, hey, Jen, and hey, everyone. Well, we are back. After a two-week break, Mel and I have each taken on more responsibilities with our jobs and different things we have going on in our lives. So we are trying to figure out a new rhythm for the Journey Express podcast and all the other things we are responsible for. But we're back and today we have a, what we consider kind of like a meaty and really important conversation um, that we've been having as friends, but that we wanted to share here on the podcast. We felt like it was worthy of bringing to our listeners' attention and um, just getting the conversation started. So we're going to be talking about shame today. Um, we've learned so much in the last couple of weeks about shame and not even realizing how much it influences us. And it affects every part of us from mm-hmm. our bodies, soul, our spirit. And if we don't acknowledge it and deal with it, we will not be whole. We will not be functioning as children of God, as God intended us to function. So the good news is that there is freedom from shame. And as children of God, Jesus has given us a way into freedom. And we're going to talk about that today. We are. Amen, Jen. That's so good. And yes, we have. We've been having these conversations lately and I think it's areas that the Lord I know is just kind of prodding and poking in me in a good way and you as well. Um, we're going to share a, a bit more about that. We also want to pull in some resources that we've um, pulled from, like Danny Silk. Um, I'm reading through a book right now called Unpunishable and also Brene Brown. And But really the most important resource is the Bible. And so we're going to draw from that. Um, so Jen, how about we start, like we always do, with the definitions of shame from Oxford Online, and then we have a biblical definition. Yeah, the definition of shame from Oxford, Oxford Languages Online is a painful feeling of humiliation or distress caused by the consciousness of wrong or foolish behavior. And the biblical definition of shame, this is from uh, Corinthian Demo website, and it's Shame is the painful emotion that is caused by a consciousness of guilt, failure, or impropriety that often results in the paralyzing conviction belief that one is worthless, of no value to others or to God, unacceptable, and altogether deserving of disdain and rejection. So let's just stop right here and clarify. Shame and guilt are two different things. Shame deals with identity. And this has been the biggest revelation to me recently. And it came through, you know, Brene Brown's content that you referenced. And she is has become a professional on this. And I like to say what David Chadwick says is all truth is God's truth. Yes. And he will reveal truth through whomever he wants to reveal. And I do wish Brene cussed a little less and whatever, <laughs> but I think she's on to something as evidenced by this whole wave of revelation that people are experiencing freedom in this area because she's been able to articulate and put to words um, what our culture is under. And so 
hopefully today we're able to weave that into truth with capital T um, using scripture and, and bring clarity for us as believers. But this was my big revelation a couple of weeks ago. You know, like if when I did something wrong, I truly took it into the core, like into all the layers of who I am and would be so afraid of punishment or of retaliation or the consequences of that action. So much so I'd take it so much in that I believed that ultimately I'm a mistake. And so I didn't know that I did this. I didn't know that was my operating system until I'll share a story later. But this fact that shame has to do with our identity, trying to mask us um, from who we are as children of God and guilt actually aids us. If we can be real when we make mistakes and use the guilt, you know, we say a guilty Mm -hmm. conscience. If we use that to run to the throne of grace and ask for forgiveness and repent and make amends, we don't have to be covered in shame. We can use the guilt of the mistake that draws us to the Lord instead of living in fear of um, punishment. So anyways, really shame has no place or authority in a Christian's life whatsoever. Amen. Amen. Yes. And that, Jen, when you shared this with me just recently, it really helped me clarify and really distinguish that guilt and shame thinking in my life and the difference between the two. Um, you know, shame really makes us believe that are we are we going to get out of this pattern? And shame makes us want to go into that negative speaking and thinking about ourselves and, oh, that's just who I am or that's what I do. And it really partners with fear that can shut us down. And just super briefly, I was just listening to this. Um, if you've heard of Dutch Sheets, he has this thing every morning, give him 15. And so my husband and I, Chris, listened to it this morning. It was about dreaming, but he brought up these specific examples. And I felt like this is really um, just spits in here. But he was talking about, um, his name was Sparky, I guess, growing up. And he just was really socially awkward. He, um, everything he did just either failed or he just wasn't good at, at school, you know, all of those things. But what he liked to do is he liked to draw. He liked to do art. He even later in life submitted it to, to Disney and it was rejected. So he just had this life of, you know, you're a failure, you'll, you're a loser, you're a failure. And, um, but he just, he never gave up. And then he decided he really wanted to put himself into cartoons. Well, he did that. And he's, his name really is Charles Schultz. And he's the one who created Charlie Brown. And Mm -hmm. so that is just a little story, but it just reminded me of what you were saying is that, um, that place where it can shut us down to where, you know, here's Charlie Brown who gave so much joy to all of us, you know, Charlie Brown Christmas, come on, Mm -hmm. you know, but if he would have just listened to those lies and, and stayed in the prison of that thinking, then he wouldn't have, um, he wouldn't have gotten to the place he was. So, and there's Mm -hmm. so many examples like that. Yeah. You know what? This reminds me of Mel. I know we've talked in the past about this, um, any good Presbyterian out there will know the T in TULIP, it stands for total depravity. And it is really, we 
without Christ, we are nothing. We are nothing. Mm -hmm. We are born into sin. We all know that. That is biblical. That is truth. Um, But once we convert and once we are born again of the Spirit, the old is gone and the new has come and we are a new creation. And it's almost like with that story, I can almost visualize him just like wrestling out of Mm -hmm. the identity and the failures and the things that wanted to keep him Mm -hmm. bound by some... I'm just going to say like religious mindset or some limiter of what was really in him once he, um, I'm not saying that deep down in us, there's actually good because God makes us, he transforms us. He, we surrender to him and he does the new, the new work in our lives as believers. But Mm -hmm. I just love that, that your story, he wrestled through that and um, he discovered redemption in it. So I'm not making a perfect connection here, but it's where it was working for me in my brain. <laughs> yeah, it's no, that's so good. And also second Corinthians five seventeen says for anyone who is in Christ is a new creation. That is the good news is that he, he makes us a new creation um, in him. So really our identity is this, those of us who are in Christ, we are that new creation. And therefore we come to our father who loves us anytime when we make mistakes. And, you know, we have this flesh versus spirit war going on inside of us. And so we're, we're going to mess up, you know, like as we mature, it should be less and less. We should be able to grow and to learn just like we teach our kids, like let's learn from this mistake so we don't repeat it. You know, we're just continuing on that, that journey of maturity as believers. Um, I kind of want to share this story uh, with our friends listening because this is my aha moment. Several weeks ago, um, let me clarify, this is my aha moment, distinguishing between shame and guilt personally. So a couple of weeks ago, my son had a project to do, which he finished before the due date. And the morning of, he wanted to take it to school on the due date. He didn't want to bring it in earlier, which I encouraged him to do for the record. (laughs) Um, He said, no, I just want to bring it in on the due date. I was like, okay. So that morning he had asked if I could roll it up with a rubber band. And so I did, and I put it next to his stuff. Uh, You know, he had his lunchbox, his water bottle, his soccer backpack, his regular backpack. There's a lot of things for little sixth graders to have to be responsible for. But since it was an item out of routine from what he normally grabs, for some reason he didn't grab it. And we were just about at school and he said, mom, And he's so chill. Like he is my chill kid when like there's an emergency or something. He's just like, mom, I left my project at school. And he just like held all his emotion in and held it together. I was like, okay, buddy, you've got two options. I can drop you off at school right now and you'll get a letter grade off for not having it the day it's due. Or we drop your sister off and you ride back to the house with me. You pick it up and you bring it to school and you're just tardy to your first class. Which one do you want to do? He said, I don't want to be late. Um, I'll just take a letter grade off. And so he ended up emailing his teacher in the car saying, you know, I have my project done. I just realized I forgot it. And, you know, school hadn't started yet. So it was almost like he wanted to show the teacher that he had finished it and he realized it before school, hoping for some grace. (laughs) And he said, what should I do? You know, can my mom drop it off? Whatever. So anyways, he goes on to school and I go home and I'm thinking, you know, I'll wait to hear back from the teacher. Well, I never heard back from her. 
So, and in years past, I will admit in years past, they have really coached the parents to not cover for their kids, to not come into the school to drop things off. But, you know, in my mind, I was like, you know, they haven't really said that this year. Like there's a crack in there. (laughs) There's, you know, maybe more grace, maybe this is a new year, new, new leadership. I don't know. So I didn't hear back from the teacher and I just happened to check Cohen's schedule to see when in the day this class was going to be. And I realized, oh, it's after lunch. So you know, maybe I'll just bring him a special snack and come to his lunch and bring his poster and, you know, justifying all the while. And really my intention was just to bless, you know, like my heart as a mama bear knew my son did this project. I really, he took my encouragement and got it done earlier, well before the due date. And so I was really wanting him to succeed. So anyways, I I take my special snack that I'm going to give Cohen at uh, lunchtime. And I take the rolled up poster and I just confidently march on into the front <laughs> desk and check in. And immediately I'm met with the the gatekeeper of the school who I'm friends with and have prayed with her for, for several years. Um, but she's a good gatekeeper and she's a rule <laughs> follower. And she said, oh, hi. I said, hi, I'm just here. You know, I'm going to drop something off for lunch. And she said, that isn't a poster for the sixth grade language arts class, is it? And I was like, oh, this this little thing? <laughs> oh, man. I was like, yeah, actually it is. Um, Cohen emailed the teacher and, you know, before school started, blah, blah, blah. And I just never heard back from her. So I just thought I'd drop it off because he has it after. And she goes, nope, it's not allowed. You're not allowed to bring that and drop that off. I was already given instructions that, you know, if parents tried to come in, that I would, they're not allowed to take it. I was like, oh, uh, okay. Right. I I know. Like, yeah, just like, how do I recover? You know? So I was like, oh, well, I'll just leave this here and I'll just, I'll just go sit with Cohen at lunch anyways. You know, that's what I came to do. (laughs) (laughs) All right. (laughs) <laughs> oh my gosh. So I, I like go around the corner and go to the cafeteria. And of course, a couple minutes later, I see Cohen and he's like, what are you doing here? It's <laughs> like, I brought you a tasty, fun snack. <laughs> and he was like, no, but mom, why? And I was like, actually, you know, I also dropped your poster off. He's like, mom, you can't do that. And I said, well, I never got a response from your teacher and I was just trying to help. And, you know, I'm sorry, you know. I said, I'm going to take it back home. So it won't be there. You don't have to worry about it. But anyways, here's your snack. Love you. Bye. (laughs) (laughs) Anyways, I share this whole experience because as soon as I walked out, I was dealing with shame. I felt like I brought shame and embarrassment to Cohen. And so then I was like, I'm an embarrassment. I'm too much. And then I felt like I brought you know, this, this whole experience and exchange with the gatekeeper at our school, you know, like I said, I do love her and we're great friends, but that just made me feel like I was wrong. I was a bad parent and I was doing something that was a reflection of who I am is like just wrong. And so I got in the car and I was like, so heavy. Mm. Then I remembered that I had just been given these tools about shame versus guilt. So I just did some homework, like internal, like separation of what am I feeling and thinking versus what is true and what is reality. It's good. You know, what's true is I probably shouldn't have taken it. I probably should have remembered the encouragement from years past. You know, they really do want our kids to learn and to grow and mature. 
And I really do want to partner with that. I want my son to grow and mature and learn from his mistakes. So there was something in there for me to learn and take away and admit my wrong, but I am not wrong. I'm not a bad parent. And that's how I was feeling in that moment. And so it was a really great opportunity for me to kind of like separate, you know, that's not my identity. Yeah. And, and take off that, that shame, you know, and I just, I used the guilt and just kind of, I apologized to Cohen and made things right or whatever. And I learned my lesson. I'm not going to be doing that again, but that was a great example of like real time, real life that, that just happened. Yes. Oh, Jen. And how many of us have like moms that are listening and dads, I mean, that are listening right now that are parents that have done things to, you know, we're doing it out of our heart of it's good intentions, (laughs) (laughs) but um, we try to rescue or, you know, been in that situation before. So thank you for sharing that. Well, friends, this ends part one of our conversation on shame. Come back next week for part two, where we share about where shame comes from and its effects on us and our relationships. Thank you so much for joining us on The Journey Expressed.